All right, welcome everyone to Penn Station Sports Talk. I'm Jay, I'm your host, along with Justin here today. It is a tough time right now for New York baseball. The Mets are just lifeless on offense. Although as of right now in their game, they're tied at three in the top of the ninth. The Yankees, who their offense has actually looked pretty good, but last night, Aroldis Chapman had an utter collapse. We'll talk about that. Not looking so hot. Justin, your Phillies, what do you have to say about them? Oh, it's been been a rough time so far for the Phillies. It's uh, once again the the bullpen has been the thing sinking the entire ship. You would think after last year's disaster of the bullpen, there would have been a solution besides having a guy who hasn't even pitched since 2017 coming in for a save opportunity. Uh, but I, I don't even know what you can do this season. If you're the Phillies, they, they need starting pitching. They need bullpen desperately. They need bench depth. I mean, it's even, even I'm, I wasn't expecting like a world series team this year from the Phillies, but I am a little surprised that, the lack of changes that they made to the roster and of how Joe Girardi has been managing the team, because it, it doesn't matter who he pulls from the bullpen. It seems like it's always the wrong decision. So everyone's calling for his head. I, I I've seen Philly's Instagram pages. They all want him fired. And here's my stance. The manager gets too much blame when the team loses and the manager gets too much credit when they win. I, in my opinion, think baseball is the sport where the manager has the least amount of effect on the team's success or failure. You can bring in a guy. If he doesn't do his job, I don't think that's on the manager. Now, it is on the manager when if a guy's pitching a shutout and take him out and the guy blows it. But at that same time, I'm gonna, I always use this example of the 2015 World Series with the Mets. Game five, Matt Harvey's pitching a shutout. Now the decision is the Mets are up 2-0. Do you put in Familia to close the game out, or do you let Harvey get the shutout? He opts to go with Harvey. Harvey gives up a double. Familia comes in. Duda makes the horrible throw. Game tied. The Royals end up winning that game. Now everyone the next day says, oh, why didn't Collins just put in Familia to begin with? If it, if it worked out, you wouldn't hear about it. You only hear complaints when the move doesn't work out. If Harvey had come in and gotten three strikes, struck out the side, no words. But because he blew it, then you hear, well, he should have taken it on before. If, but say if Familia did come in the ninth and he blew it, then you would have heard, why did he take him out? So it it's all depends on the what happens, what occurs. That's why I think Joe Girardi's gotten too much hate, although I, I think he's made some questionable decisions this year. But I won't blame him fully because their bullpen is just horrible. I mean, they they did so much this offseason to try to fix it. They, got, they, oh, they didn't get Brad Hand. Sorry, that was the Nationals. It just seems like no matter what the Phillies do, the bullpen just never, ever, ever good. And that's that's an issue. And luckily, the Mets' bullpen's actually been really good. So I can't complain. But – the Phillies have just struggled, even against the Mets. Every <laughs> night, they either blew the lead or they came, they bent this close to blowing it. It's it's like 
you know, he it's not Joe Girardi's fault that Alec Bohm and Reese Hoskins can't like field a baseball either. No, it isn't. And let me just say those two are are I feel like you and I can go out there with gloves and do a better <laughs> job. No offense to Reese Hoskins. He's like a mech killer. The guy can't catch the ball. And Alec Bohm doesn't know what he's doing out there <laughs> at third base. Looks like it's it's like foreign to him. It's he and, like and you got Alvarado coming in. And he's so weird to me. He's good, but like I feel like every time I watch this guy, he's blowing the lead. He throws 100 miles an hour. It's a 94 mile an hour slider. Yet he's still like every time he's in it. I feel like the Mets especially, he just can't can't close it down. Ugh, they just. I'm glad I'm not a Phillies fan <laughs> because I don't. I would have a heart attack every single time. They, even the four run lead isn't safe with them. No, not even. They had yesterday. In um the game against the Marlins, they were winning. It was uh they were winning like five two, and I think at one point it was four nothing. And Aaron Nola just like completely just collapses out of nowhere and just like falls off a cliff. And he he was supposed to be like you know he's been that much. way though. He, he's, he's always been... had this thing, even his whole career. He's had this thing where he can be so dominant, but get hit hard. You know. He'll, he'll go five innings, give up four runs, but he'll have 12 strikeouts. You know, it's one of right. those weird things where he's, his stuff is nasty, but he just, he loses it sometimes. He's, and he's a great pitcher. I'm not saying he isn't. He really is a good pitcher, but he's, he's, he's a little inconsistent to me. Um, he was great in 2018. And since then, he just kind of been like average. He's been better this year as opposed to 2019 and 2020. But again, you know, the real God, godsend for that rotation has been Zach Wheeler. He's been fantastic this year. What I what I liked, what I would have liked to see on the Mets is what he's doing right now in Philly. He's been really good for you guys. If it wasn't for him, who knows where the Phillies would be? Yeah, it's it's crazy because like you're thinking start of the season, right? You've got Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, your two aces. Zach Wheeler comes out. He's like a Cy Young candidate right now. If if he was like on, you know, the top team in the National League, he would probably be like the lead in the Cy Young. And then it's like the completely opposite story with Aaron Ola. He has like a 4.44 ERA right now and is like struggling through these starts. It's like just, just in the game yesterday, like first four innings, completely dominant, just like absolute ace, comes out in the fifth inning and gives up seven runs. And it's, it's like really weird and you don't really know. I had read an article a couple weeks ago, like what's wrong with Aaron Nola. And it's just like, nothing's wrong with Aaron Nola. He's there, just yeah, getting I, I hit hard and he just spin rates, like all the same, even I, without I got like, some stats here. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has 11. This is the weird thing is ERA is 4.44 through a 95 and a third innings, but his strikeouts per nine is 11.1. So he's striking. He's, it's not like his spin rates on the swing and miss stuff is there. He's just not, he's just not producing. It's, I find it so interesting. There are a lot of pitchers that are like that now because the, the way the league is, everyone's striking out, everyone's getting strikeouts. And you got guys that are just striking out the world, but they're, they still give up. They had your eyes four and a half because you know, you can be around the strikes on all you want. You're going to get hit. And and that's kind of what Aaron Nola has been this year. The Phillies this year, they are currently 
They are fourth in the National League East at 37 and 41. They have a team ERA of 427, which is 11th in the National League. So, and if you look at this stat page, every guy in this bullpen has a high ERA besides <laughs> Alvarado and Ranger Suarez. Other than that, every other guy is five ERA, four something, five, six. Not good. You should look at Felicia. He's like at like 36. <laughs> yeah. The rotation hasn't been good either. No, I mean, Zach Eflin struggled. Vince Velasquez has struggled. Chase Anderson struggled. Spencer Howard, who's a top prospect, has not shown any signs that he's going to come around and be this ace that they thought he could be. Yeah, he was just demoted. He, he just got opted into the roster now. Yeah. Which was crazy. It's like he, he was, I, the Phillies are the only people who don't realize that Spencer Howard is a relief pitcher. He, he goes, he's like, there, there's a stat. He's like amazing through the first time through the order has like electric 96, 97 mile hour fastball comes to 60 pitches, 91, 92 mile hour fastball gets like destroyed out of the ballpark. And it's, they're trying, they said they're going to try and work them up to a hundred pitches in triple a, but I, I think he should be more of a long reliever at this point, especially since he's had such an extensive injury history in like the past couple of years, he's barely thrown like any innings. It's, it's interesting because nowadays that's not the, that's not the worst move. A lot of guys, the way the MLB is going, relief pitchers are more important than ever because no one goes deep into games anymore. You have a handful of guys that are going to pitch 230 innings a year. Relievers are important. He, he could give a lot of guys who either were starters, struggled, became relievers. They made a career for themselves. They really were really good. A lot of some of them became closers and were great. If Spencer Howard can, you know, he can maybe if he decides, you know what, I'm going to go short. I'm going to focus on throwing hard. I'm going to focus on, on challenging guys, getting three to six outs. He becomes a closer five years from now. He could be one of the best closers in the league right. and forget that he was ever a starter. Right. That happens. It, and, and I know the game is changing because there's a guy on the White Sox by the name of Garrett Crochet, a first round pick. And this guy is not even a starter. He's a reliever. And he wasn't ever meant to be a starter because he only throws two pitches. But this year he's got a three RA. He's, he's been really good. And that's okay. You relievers are important now. You see it with the the Phillies wish they had a reliever like that. But I honestly think that's it's for Spencer Howard's sake. I've heard that all the hype about him. Let him go, let him be a one and two winning guy. Let him be like a Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo, a great example. Came up as a starter, got you know, struggled later in games, so they moved into the bullpen. And he's he's been the Mets best, he's been the rock in that bullpen, been one of the best relievers on the team. So there's, there's always a chance for that. And there's always – you just because you don't start doesn't mean you can't be successful. A lot of guys have done it. John Smoltz did it. He was a starter. He became a reliever later in his career, and he was an all-star. Anything could happen. So I think the, the Phillies' main issue right now, I think if you're them, I think you got to try to get younger. The team is a little bit older. I think you got to try to blow up some pieces, trade away some guys just to try to rebuild. I think you got to rebuild around Nola. You got to rebuild around Wheeler. I mean, not Wheeler, uh, Harper, Real Muto, maybe even trade Wheeler. He's, he's getting older. You can probably get a lot for him. 
I think if you're the Phillies, it's a little too late this year to try to make a run because you're already in a hole. But I really think they just got to get the bullpen in shape. It's just for years, it's been an issue. Same with the Mets, but the Mets luckily figured it out this year. So I guess if you're the Phillies GM, whoever he is, I don't, I don't know his name off the top of my head. If you're listening, <laughs> fix the bullpen. I actually, you know what? I'm a Mets fan. I don't care if they fixed it. It's Sam Full. <laughs> Sam Full is the GM. Fix it. If you're yeah. any Phillies fan listening would, would, would agree with me. Just get it fixed. <laughs> I it's 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 hard to know how like Dombrowski, David Dombrowski, they're like president and Sam Fold, they they haven't made the changes they've need need to make. And like they're they're only, you know, a couple games under 500. Like if if they could go on a big run, they could still like make a move, but this team is on the decline rather than going up. And it's it's hard to even convince yourself that they could like be a buyer at this point because they have too many holes. You know, most times teams that are buying, they, they have like, okay, we just need to fill one hole, but you can see like in, for instance, like on the point of like how important relievers are like Liam Hendricks, he got like $20 million, like a three year, $60 million contract this past off season to pitch one inning, like, you know, every other game and the Phillies, you know, and a lot of other teams, they're not willing to pay that. Like the twins, they paid Alex Colomb. I think it was one year, like $6 million to close. And he's been terrible so far this year. And you, you can see the difference. How much you're willing to spend is how good your bullpen is. The way things are going right now, like I said, the bullpen's so important. So I'm okay spending millions of dollars on a guy if you're gonna get top line quality. And the Mets, they gave a good 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 uh, deal to Trevor May. They they got they re-signed um they traded, I think, for Miguel Castro has been good. They re they have Lugo, they have Diaz, who they traded for. Like even that, that was a blockbuster trade. They gave away Jared Kalenic, who's a top prospect now. And it was for a closer, a guy that's only going to pitch one inning. So you really, especially the closer is one of the most important positions on a team. You can't win if you don't have a good one. So that's another important thing. A lot of teams now trade for closers, and that's what the White Sox did. They they signed Liam Hendricks because they needed a, a guy who could lock it down. And yeah, right. You look You look where the White Sox are right now and where the Twins are and how good their closers are. And that that tells you the story. The Phillies have the most blown saves in throw so far through like their number of games in like MLB history. And you can see where their record is, and you can see where a team like the Mets, where Edwin Diaz is having an excellent season, and where they are. It's it's definitely like pretty parallel. In my opinion, I, I don't want the game to go this way, but I have a feeling that. Baseball is heading in direction where in, in 20, 30 years, there's not really going to be a starting pitcher per se. It's just going to be a bunch of guys that go three or four innings. I don't want that to happen. But I feel like with safety and how baseball is, is going, I think that's what's going to happen. I think you're going to have guys that you're going to have a starter you know, air quotes around that go three innings and you're going to have another guy come in and go three innings and you have another guy go three innings. That's just how it's going to be in a few, in, in 20, 30 years. I hope I'm wrong. That's just, 
the way it's going. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, guys were pitching, you know, Bob Gibson through 28 complete games. You had guys pitching 300 innings a year, nothing like that anymore. The most complete games is like three or four a year by a pitcher. So I think at this point, that's where the league's going. That's why relievers are more and more important. So you have guys that are coming up as relief. Josh Hader was drafted as a closer. So, and like Spencer Howard, like you said, train, make him, uh, change him to a reliever. There you go. It's problem solved. He's got good stuff for two or three innings. Be a great reliever. Let him do that. If that's what he's good at, let him do it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what I say. Because the the Dodgers and the Rays, they both made the World Series last year, and I, I believe – The Rays revolutionized the game. Right. They're the ones that right. started that. They started – I never heard of the opener until they did it. Right. A guy goes two, three innings. You have another guy that goes an inning or two, another guy that goes two innings, and you have a closer. Perfect. And the Rays are good because they have a lot of guys that can go two or three right. innings. It's not like they have guys that can only go one inning. And they obviously you want starters to give you length, but the Rays have won with that mentality, with that strategy, and it's worked for them so far. They've been able to win games by having three or four different guys pitch because back back in the day, you didn't you had relievers that were that you didn't have a guy coming out of the bullpen throwing a hundred miles per hour. Right. With a 92 mile an hour slider. You didn't have a guy that you didn't have a five pitch pitcher waiting in the bullpen. You had a guy that threw a fastball and like a changeup that was like, like, like low 90s. Now you have guys like, like uh, Edwin Diaz on 100 miles an hour out of the bullpen. You have Chapman. You have these guys, Seth Lugo, those five pitches. This is where the game's going. That's why the bullpens are usually so good. The Phillies just aren't fortunate to have one of those good ones that you see in the league. Right, because I feel like in the past, like it would always be like, you know, you at least there would be this R that your starters are like your best pitchers and then your relievers are like a downgrade. Now you almost think of it like my starter is the worst pitcher and I want the reliever to come in the game, which is like a completely different mentality, which if you looked like 20, 25 years ago, like nobody ever would have like, thought of doing something like that or that the guy you're bringing in in the seventh inning is better than the guy who's pitched the first six and it's weird that's how it is though and i understand it because if you say you're the white Sox, right you got a starter in there you know you have this crochet guy who throws 101 miles per hour with a 90 mile hour slider you you want to bring him in you're like you know what this Starter's gone six innings. He's given up one run. He's had 85 pitches. I, I want to bring in this next guy because the lineup's not going to know what hit him. Imagine, like, you worked that starter out of the game. You did your job. And then the next guy comes in, throws 100 miles per hour. Like, oh, great. That's right. what the league has come to. I mean, it's really fascinating. It's awesome to see where it's gone, where baseball is pitching especially is gone. But speaking of the Mets now, they – I think they have to make some moves at the deadline. They need, I think, with the injuries, Carlos Carrasco and Syndergaard are, like, non-existent at this point. They might be back in August. Probably not because they're the Mets. They probably won't pitch this year. <laughs> uh, you know, Stroman's dealt with injuries. Grom's dealt with injuries. Walker has had an injury at some point. Peterson's been if hit or miss. And then other than that, Joey Lucchese's had Tommy John. So if you're the Mets, I think they need to trade for a starting pitcher. 
And I would say, a, I think even a bat. I mean, you, you wouldn't think so. You think a lineup that has Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, Pete Alonzo, Dom Smith, and Francisco Lindor, the, the million-dollar man, you would think you don't need a bat, but apparently they do because none of these guys are hitting. Let me just say, I am so done with Jeff McNeil. This guy does not – he looks like he has no idea what he's doing in the box. He's swinging at, at – Balls in the dirt. He's taking fastballs right down the middle that are home run pitches. This whole lineup has no idea what they're doing. They're looking at strike one fastball down the middle. You're not going to get that pitch again. If you get the pitch, swing the bat. The Mets right. have this approach with like patience, working, work the count. If he's giving you a fastball down the middle, swing at it. Right. Swing, I, swing, the, swing the bat. They're doing, they literally. Yesterday, I'm watching the game. You know, the pitchers throws 95 miles an hour, middle in, right where Pete, right where Lindor likes it, right where Conforto likes it. They watch it. Then, then the next pitch, the guy throws you a breaking ball, and they swing at it. They foul it off. Now it's 0-2, and, and then he can do he does whatever. Then you're never going to get a – and then the rest of the bat, you're not getting a pitch near the strike zone. You're not getting a pitch nearly like the one you got the first time. You're going to get some junk in the dirt. And Jeff McNeil still swinging at it. This lineup just has so many issues. I never thought I'd say it. They need a bat. They did. They, I didn't think I would say this. That this lineup, who was the who was the best in baseball last year, they had the highest batting average. I never thought I'd see the day where they needed to trade for a bat. This has just gotten. They're they're 29th in the major leagues in runs per game. Really? A lot of has Francisco wow. Lindor and Pete Alonso in it. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's shocking. It's, it's ridiculous. Because isn't Francisco Lindor hitting like 220 right now or something? Yeah, but he the, the worst part is he's actually been better recently. Oh, okay. He's actually like <laughs> the past – I'm sure, pretty sure the past couple weeks he's been, been hitting a lot better, and he's still hitting 220. He was getting paid $34 million a year. It's yeah. still barely hitting, and it's just – you, the, you know what? It's bad. The best hitter on this team right now is Pete Alonso. Not that he's bad, but he's not known as a guy that's going to be a contact hitter. And he's your best hitter. What does that tell you? Michael Conforto, <laughs> ice cold. McNeil, cold. Dom Smith, can't, can't. Every time I watch Dom Smith, he's swinging at a curveball 0-2 in the dirt. James McCann will hit a home run every two weeks. <laughs> I thought you, like. Well, the Messi, I, Brandon Nimmo back. That's what they need. Yeah, I thought I honestly thought McCann was a steal, like when you guys picked him up, and then he he hasn't been very good. <laughs> like he he batted like like really he was like a two ninety hitter last year with the White Sox, and I'm like, oh, you know, the Mets made a great move here. Like I was like saying, oh, you know, if the Phillies don't get real Muto, sign McCann. Like this guy, this guy seems good, and he's. After watching, I mean, I exaggerate when I say a home run every two weeks, but this guy, like, he's another one. Fastball down the middle, take it. And he he's just one of those guys that, like I said, he'll get a big hit every two weeks. I mean, he's okay. Um, I miss, I do miss Wilson Ramos. I'll be honest, he was he was a great, he was a good hitting catcher. Um, and I and the Mets actually just lost. They. <laughs> Oh, they, they tied the game. Dom Smith actually did something and hit two home runs, tie the game. And then uh, Seth Lugo made a throwing error. 
Runner got to third. They intentionally walked Cunha. He's still second. Then he walked another guy. And then Freddie Freeman hit a walk-off single. So that that seems pretty Braves like. They lost two out of three there. They won the first game emphatically because James McCann had one of his in the seventh inning of the first game of the series, hit a three-run homer to tie at one of his many hits that he's had. <laughs> and they had Lindor, Lindor of all people, got the game-winning hit. Yesterday they lose 20 to two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that was bad. Troy Ozzy Albies had like six hits yesterday. <laughs> and then today, the Grom's on the mat and they lose the game. You can't lose the games the Grom starts, and they did. I don't know what to say, but he, here's who I want to go after. I have, a, I have a list of guys that I think the Mets should trade for. Pitching-wise, number one, Kyle Gibson. He's a veteran. He's a good I, – I think he's very good. And I think he'll be cheap. Kyle Gibson, just, just for reference here, he's 33 years old. This year he is six and zero with a two ERA in in uh, fifteen starts. He's on the Rangers. The Rangers are a bad team. I think the rain the giant the Giants. Look at me. The Mets can get him for pretty cheap. I think he's a guy that can eat up innings and just be reliable for us. If we can't go there, I think I want to go to the Detroit Tigers. They have two guys I'd be interested in. Number one is Matthew Boyd. Um, he's a guy that I feel like every year he's on the trade block and they just don't trade him. Yes. Um, I know the Yankees were are like every year, like, oh, the Yankees may make a move and they just don't. <laughs> he, he really is. Matthew Boyd is literally on the trade block every year. He's good. He has to be the last okay. I mean, he's not great, but he, he's decent. He's a solid like three for sure. Like on I a, mean, this on year his numbers are pretty good. He, in 13 starts, he's a he's three and six with a three four four ERA. That record, I don't I don't like looking at the record because the team isn't good, so I don't blame them too much on him. Or the Tigers also have Spencer Turnbull, who's another good pitcher. Threw a no hitter this year actually. He's had some injuries on the IL right now, but in nine starts, he's four and two with a two eight eight ERA. That's, um, that's good, too. Those are three guys I think the Mets can get for pretty cheap. I don't think they'll have to pay too much to get them. Um, the Mets have two very have three very good young prospects that I don't want them to trade. Um, I think we can avoid giving any of those guys away for Boyd, Gibson, or Turnbull, or two of even. I don't think we can get two. I don't, we don't need two of them, but I think we can get one of these guys. Another name I've heard surfacing is John Gray, the guy, the pitcher for the Rockies. He's a guy that has, he has good stuff. His ERA is always high because it's Colorado, but he's also, he's reliable. He can give you innings. He's had injuries in the past, but recently he's been pretty reliable. He's a guy that I don't think would cost too much either. I would trade for him. A guy that would be more expensive but he's younger, and I think we can keep him for a while. Is Jose Barrios of the Minnesota Twins, and you know I think you've you've definitely heard of him. He's a guy that is he's 27 years old. He's pretty young. He has he has, he has phenomenal stuff. His ERA is always floating around the mid threes, so he he sometimes gives up a lot of runs, but he definitely has good stuff. So he's a guy that I think we'd have to give up a little more to get. But if they did get him, they can keep him. They can keep him for a while. He's on a one-year deal right now, but I think they can re-sign him with the money they have now. So yeah, those are just some options. Even the Yankees are in the. I think they could also trade for one of these guys. Um, yeah, those are just. I, I think one of those guys could make a big impact if if the Mets were to go for it. 
Yeah, I, I think you should go. Like, the Mets should go win now. Like, what better time is there? I think like, the Grom's the only getting older, so the, the window's closing. While, while he's doing his thing, I think you got to try to go all in right now. So, if you can – and, again, a lot of these guys, you know, besides Gibson, Boyd and Turnbull, they're all pretty young. They're all younger, right. so you you right. can even keep you can even re-sign the like the Strowman. They traded for Strowman, they and they kept him. Uh, they ended up re-signing him this year. So if any, if you right. really wanted to, you could say you trade for uh, say Spencer Turnbull. You you could sign him to a two or three year deal and keep him around. It's not like a one year thing. Guy right. Kyle Gibson would be more. He has another year left. And you wouldn't sign him, I don't think. He'd, he'd be 35 then, so you wouldn't sign him again. But, like, if you got Barrios, you could sign him to a pretty lengthy deal to keep him around right. if, if that was something you'd be interested in. John Gray's another guy. I'm pretty sure he's pretty young. Let's look that up real quick. John yeah. Gray is he, – he's, he's also – he's 29. So 29, he's a yeah. guy that's pretty young. Yeah, I mean, I think you should – I mean, you'll have, like – You'll have Noah Syndergaard coming back, so like I don't know how he's much they'll want to make. Twenty nine. They they won't like I'm not sure the Mets will want to make a huge investment, but like if you can get a one year rental, a guy who's like a three five ERA type guy, that that's like all you need. Like the more starting pitching depth you have, the more pitching depth you have. That that's the key come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Really, I agree with you. Like the pitching is so so important. It's. I feel like you can, you know, every team can like hit well, but where it really comes down to is like your pitching, like how good can your team pitch? Because if you're giving up 10 runs, you, you can't really win in the playoffs in those stressful situations. And you have to have you're absolutely right. You have to have guys. Another like Another thing is these good teams. They have depth. Every right. world series team, I feel like has made us a, a trade for another pitcher at the deadline. Right, so exactly. That's, the Mets are going to trade for someone. I think they're definitely going to, especially with Steve Cohen as the owner. But I don't know who it's going to be. Like I said, like in 3-5 ERA, Matthew Boyd. I, I don't think we'd have to give up much for him, and I think he can, he can give us innings and he can be good. Right, that's all you need. All you, Like go to some team that's not contending this year, not going to make the playoffs, and, you know, you give them a couple prospects and – you know, go try and win the World yeah, give Series. Him, give them a bag of chips and a, and, a, right. and a sandwich, and there you go. Right, exactly. They'll they'll be happy like to trade any pitcher like over thirty on some of these teams that are not contenders this year. Right, it, it's worth giving up. See, like the problem with teams that try and there's a I would say there's a difference between buying at the deadline. On like the one hand, you have a team like the Mets where they're actually buying and could win a World Series, and then you have like teams i'll just since we were talking about the phillies like the phillies who like are buying and then they give up like six sanchez like a great pitching prospect and they're oh, not yeah, that was a dumb move he's he's <laughs> he's so good yeah it's like but if you're the mets like if you give up your third or fourth best prospect and you can get a real pitcher and then you're going to the nlcs like it's worth it like it really is. i agree and the mets have pieces you know they sign them door to a 10-year deal they have Ronnie Mauricio, who's a shortstop. Trade him away. I think he's going to be great. He's a he's a he's a third best prospect the Mets have. I don't think we need him though because of because right. of Lindor. You don't, yeah. 
I think, or even like Kyle Gibson's old and the Rangers aren't good. I think you could literally give them a the, the 11th best pro, a bag of chips and a, and a Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think that the Rangers would do it. So as for a bat, I've, I've heard rumors that the Diamondbacks might shop Gattel Marte, which that would be – That would be a big move if the Mets can get him. I mean, I would love that. I just think we'd have to give up a lot to get him. That, that would take it. want to do. I think that it, it would have fun. to be one of our top, like, one or two prospects, which I don't want to give up. Um, but if it's not for that, if we can get him for, like, cheap, I'm, I'm all for it. He's 26 years old. He's young, and he's very good. He's a guy that we that we trade in, and we keep him around for a while. He wouldn't be a rental. Like he's a guy that we keep around for a while. But if we're talking about rentals, I would go back to the Tigers. Jonathan Scope's having a great season this year. Good. I would even I the only only thing is I don't know where we'd put him exactly. He he's actually underrated. He's he's he like is. much better than people good. give him credit. Like he sort of was just on the Orioles for a while and like had a lot of good years and just because the Orioles weren't very good, he didn't get like the recognition. I feel like he deserved. He's always having like good seasons. And the best part is he's only, he's only 29. He's young. Right. This year he's hitting 277, 15 homers, 45 RBIs. That's great. That's like, that's he's really on good for, for, for like 30, 90. So it, it, I, I would love to have him. It's just, I don't really, he's a second baseman and a first baseman. So unless they had injuries, I don't know where you'd put him. Um, he he's not a guy like he's a bat we could use, but I don't know where I'd put him. Marte makes more sense because he could play center. Right. Uh, I don't know what they would do. I don't know where we'd put him. I don't think the Mets are going to trade for a bat. They might trade for like a bench bat, but I think they're going to really try to get a starter. Maybe even another reliever. Who knows? But I think they're really going to try to get a starter which I think they definitely need to do. Um, now talking about the Yankees, I need, we need to talk about last night because as a Mets fan, I loved seeing this. The Yankees facing Shohei Otani, who, by the way, is, is – I have never seen anything like this. He, he leads the league oh, in home good. runs. He's 28. He's every day this guy's hitting a home run. <laughs> it's like literally every time I open my phone – it's another Shohei Otani home run highlight. I've never seen every time I look at Instagram, Shohei Otani another home run. Every time I check Shohei Otani home run to center. Two hours later, Shohei Otani home run again. Show then it's like Shohei Otani complete like pitches a gem, and they're like showing him throw like twelve right. strikeouts. Like the, the most Otani thing: seven innings, one run, ten strikeouts, hit two home runs. Like right. this, this is who what I'm does, talking. Like who does that? Literally, who? Like Only I. Him. That's like, what I'm saying. I've never seen anything like it. And you know what? He's on. He's on pace. Ready? We're midway through the season. Right now, Shohei Otani. Let me just pull up his stats real quick. He right now is hitting 277, 28 home runs, 63 RBIs. Okay. Oh my God. He's 75 games in. That means logically he's on pace for 56 home runs. Oh my God. And 126 RBIs. Could you imagine? And. By the end of this season, and pitching wise, he he's twelve games started. He's a three sixty ERA because he got blown up yesterday, which I'll get to. Right. So he's on pace to start twenty five games, 
probably have like a three something ERA, have 56 home runs. He's gonna he's gonna probably if he plays the whole year, he probably can get to 50 and a hundred some odd runs batted in, 280. How do you not give him MVP? I mean, even though the the Angels suck, how do you not give him MVP at that point? I mean, if the guy's gonna go out there and pitch that way and hit 50 home runs, how do you not? I mean, it's just I really haven't seen anything like it because there hasn't been anything like it since, since Babe Ruth. Like, how, I honestly, it's like, at this point, it's like, how is he not the best player in baseball right now? Because For me, he is. I mean. He, he is. Like, no, like, okay, you say, like, okay, you know, Mike Trout's, like, Acuna. His own teammate but, could be better than him, but. he. But the thing is, he's hitting as well as they are. And then he's also, like, pitching as, like, a second-in-a-rotation type player. Which and is, at his best, he's an ace, too. Like, he, right. he's really good. Before before the game, yes. Before the game, if it was yesterday or, like, a couple days ago where he got blown up by the Yankees, he I think he was in the twos, like, ERA-wise. Really, like a 220 ERA. Right. And then, so mentioning that, he comes in. He struggles. He's walking guys. He gives up. He ends up giving up seven runs in two thirds of an inning. Met, Yankees are up seven nothing in this game. I believe I don't know who pitched yet last night. I'm actually going to check that real quick because I'm actually curious. I think it might have been Jordan Montgomery last night for the Yankees. It was Domingo Herman. He only went three. Yeah. Yeah, Domingo Herman. So they're up seven nothing. He gives up three runs. Then eventually it's eight to four, and Boone's like, you know what? I'm gonna bring in Chapman, get him an inning of work, call it a night. He walks the first batter. Well, he he he. I don't know exactly how one, but he gets an out and he walks three guys. Now, now, actually, you know what? I want to find out exactly what he did because this will make it funnier for me and more <laughs> enjoyable for their downfall. <laughs> So Chapman, oh, wait, sorry. Oh, it doesn't even show it here. That's weird. I think he had, I think he had like three walks. So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he walked the first guy, got an out, walked the next two. Then Jared Walsh comes up, who's another great story, who is a guy that like came out of nowhere and is having a fantastic season. It's a grand slam and not only do the Yankees does Chapman give up runs, he the game's tied now. And then he comes out, and then Lucas Lickie gives up three runs. The Angels score seven runs in the inning, and now they're winning. The Yankees were up seven nothing in this game, and they lose eleven to eight. And then they go down one two three in the bottom of the ninth. Listen, I've watched Yankee games. I've seen Michael K. depressed. I he was sounded so deflated last night. He kept repeating. This is not the game the Yankees could have lost. This was a this was an unacceptable loss. They could not lose this game, and he was right. The offense finally broke through, and then the, the pitching blew it. I mean, that's been the definition. Listen, the Mets have issues, not like the Yankees, though. The Yankees are in shambles, I think. They're really struggling. It's sad, but I also get enjoyment out of it <laughs> at the end of the day. Chapman's been horrible. Apparently, I saw a stat last night. His first 15 or some odd appearances, he had like a, a zero ERA. And then I think since then, he's had like a 10 ERA. Really? I hate to say, I think since the, the whole foreign substance thing happened, he hasn't been as good. So maybe he's, him and Cole, 
him and Cole had a, had a little too much on tele- they they had their hand in the cookie jar when it happened. Had a little too much stuff on their hands, but literally. That no, I, I mean, literally. I I didn't even think of that. That's like that. You're probably right. It's probably like direct. He's been going downhill right when that whole thing sort of started, and I don't think it's a coincidence that all of a sudden he's not gripping the baseball as well. He's walking people. He, you don't like, I feel like you don't all go from like arguably best closer in baseball type material to like giving up like grand slams. I mean, he, he was, he was, I, the, the, the start he had this year, I was even saying he could have won, won the Cy Young. He was unhittable. Right. I'm pretty sure there was first 15 appearances. He gave up like two base runners. Like he was unhittable. And he was incredible. It was the best. And Chapman's a Hall of Famer, but he was he was incredible. And I think think about it. You know, when you have to grip the ball harder, you end up overthrowing. I think that's why he's walking so many guys. He's gripping the ball hard and he's missing. You know, mm-hmm. relying on those substances to hold on to the ball. You can't do that anymore. I'm, and then yesterday, these were his numbers. He threw twenty four pitches, four strikes. That that's four ridiculous. strikes. He threw four strikes. He threw five times as many balls as he did strikes. Oh my that God. is unacceptable for a, a major league pitcher, let alone a guy, a Hall of Famer of his caliber. Four strikes. I, I had I just pulled it up. It's like so on June 6th, after his outing versus Boston, he has a 0.39 ERA. After the game yesterday, he has a 3.77 ERA. In less than a month, he went from less than 0.5, and now he's almost at four. Exactly. That's, that's like insane. I said, he's, I think it's that was around the time that right. this was cracking down. Right. And then Cole they had to get rid of their stash. <laughs> they were caught red-handed, literally. I mean, they, they, they were caught with the sticky stuff on them. This, this the sticky bandits. If you ever seen Home Alone two, yeah, yeah. I, I I think I'm gonna make a poster. The sticky bandits are all the Chapman and Garrett Cole. Once <laughs> the sticky stuff is gone, they're average pitchers. Speaking of Garrett Cole, speaking of aces getting lit up like the Grom did tonight for three runs. The Grom ended up pitching seven innings, giving him three runs, having fourteen strikeouts, got blown up because that's what the Grom is. <laughs> That that's a bad, like terribly bad oh, outing. Horrible. But <laughs> the Yankees, though, with a sticky bandit himself, Garrett Cole. He uh you know, the Yankees go into Boston, they lose two games back to back Friday, Saturday. This is last weekend. They need a win Sunday. Garrett Cole's on the mound. They got this. What does he do? He gives up six runs in like five innings. Wow. Loved it. Loved every second. I loved. I got so much joy out of hearing John Sterling and Susan Waldman on the radio say, well, the Yankees needed a victory and they had the race and he's just not performing well. I, you don't know how I'm on the way home from the gym. I'm driving and I'm, I hear that and I'm just smiling ear to ear that the Yankees are in shambles and that their ace <laughs> pitcher, the sticky bandit himself, Garrett Cole, is struggling because he can't use his spider tack anymore. <laughs> I love it. I love it. They're million dollar men. I shouldn't slam them too much because I have, we also have a million dollar man, the Mets who can't hit, but Hey, 
At least mine's not one of the sticky bandits. That's all I'm going to say. See, you know what I feel like is interesting is like how the Yankees, right? Like how the narratives between the Yankees and the Mets are like so different, but they both have like 41 wins. I think like they're both, they both have like the same number of wins. The Yankees, like it feels like they're in free fall, you know, they're like in fourth place, I think in the division, they're just, they're far back. It's just like, you know, seems like it's not going their way. And then the Mets, they have the same number of wins and it's like, you know, Mets world series contenders, like on top of the world. It's, it's so interesting. Like how it's how like the division dynamics, like change all of that. Well, yeah, because in the Yankees division, you have the Red Sox who are one of the surprise teams of the league. They're, they're the most wins in the league. They're 51 wins. The Mets, they lead their division with 41 wins. Uh, The Nationals are creeping up on them, but it's just so different dynamics. That's the fun of it, though. You have one division that isn't good. You have one that is good. Speaking of the Nationals, though, speaking of power, have you seen what Kyle Schwarber has been doing recently? It's like – it, talking about like Shohei Otani, talk about Kyle Schorber. This guy is on another planet right now. He and a leadoff hitter, too. Home run. He actually hasn't hit one in two days. But I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure when he started his little like home run parade thing, he was, I'm, I'm almost positive he, he was hitting. I'm just looking at it right now. He had like seven. And now he has 25, which is like in the National League, that's that's one behind the National League lead. Yeah. Um, you know why I love it? Because my fantasy team, I had some injuries and I saw I'm like, oh, I, Kyle Schwarber isn't good. I'm like, whatever, I'll pick him up till, <laughs> I, till I can get rid of him. He's been he's been he put the team on his back. He's been carrying my team every week. This guy's putting up 30, 40 points because all he does is hit home runs. I mean. I'm happy with it. Not against the Mets, but he's overall, getting back at you. I'm okay with it. You know, you're like, you're like slandering him, you know, Kyle Schwarber, ah, he he's, he'll be on my team for a week. Next thing you yeah, know, I thought he was gonna be <laughs> on my team for a week because everyone on my team's hurt. I have Trout's hurt. Jack Flaherty's hurt. Oof. Justin Upton's hurt. Cattell Marte's hurt. So the whole team's hurt. And I'm like, you know what, whatever, I'll pick him up. And and if I use him, I use him. It's fine. <laughs> and then now he's a staple in my lineup. I can't get him out of there. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he he basically for the past month has been like MVP caliber playing. I mean, I mean, he hits like a home run a day. It's and everyone, it's not even like he's just hitting like home runs. He's like destroying these home runs. I feel like they're all like second deck. They are. They're all just like bombs. And the best part is he he's not even like a good hitter, to be honest with you. He hits like 250. He, I think he's the definition of a guy that's going to either hit a home run, walk, or strike out. He's the true – he's another Adam Dunn who's like the three outcomes king. <laughs> yeah, it's – it's and he's like hitting leadoff too, which I feel yeah, like he's a is interesting. leadoff hitter. You know, the way <laughs> – there's another thing. The way the lineup's constructed now is so different. Like usually you'd have your best hitter hitting fourth. Not anymore. Like you have Ronald Acuna leading off. You have Tatis batting second. Trout would lead off sometimes. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, usually you never have a guy like him leading off. But usually you have a guy that can either get contact or a speedy guy. Never a guy that's slow and only hits home runs or walks. 
but that's the way the game is, and it's worked for them because he's hit like six leadoff home runs this year. Um, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's but, weird because like as he's on his hot streak, like I would rather put him in the three or four, let some no, guys get on base. Listen, you don't if he's hot in the leadoff line, leave him there. Don't right. the second you start changing it around for some reason that just messes with someone. Keep him there, let him do his thing because he's been doing it, and and. You know, they're winning games right now. They're red hot, so good for them. But I hope they cool down because the Mets are not winning right now. They had they got a three-game series against the Sticky Bandits coming up this weekend. <laughs> um, we'll see how they do there. I'm going to the game Saturday. Marcus Stroman's pitching. I think, I think it was a change. I think Cole's actually going to be pitching that game. Oh, wow. That, that's, so right that's now, the game. starters, we have Taiwan Walker against Jordan Montgomery tomorrow night. And yes, yeah, Saturday, Marcus Stroman and Garrett Cole. And then Sunday, Tyler McGill, who's a guy that the Mets called up pretty good, actually. And the Yankees haven't announced a starter. Uh, yeah, that should be a good series. Um, two teams that are kind of can't get out of their own way right now. Two teams that can't hit. Two teams that their pitching has been a good. So we'll see. I'm hoping the Mets come out on top, but. We'll see. Maybe the sticky bandits will, will let the Mets get one by them this time. We'll see. Yeah, it you know, it, it'll see who's really the better team in New York right now because mm-hmm. since they both have similar records, you know, the divisions are really defining it. And it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top because they're, they're both, you know, they both have their strengths, both have their weaknesses, and they're both, honestly, they're they're both like playoff baseball teams, so – you, if you put the Yankees in the NL East, I'm sure they and they would probably be at the top near at least like right up there too. They probably would, but but I'm not in, complaining. if the Mets win 85 games and win the division, I'm not going to complain. You know, there's, there's a tournament for a reason. Right. There's a reason there's that multiple teams get in. Right? No, it's it's just how it's set up. You know, that's yeah. that's how the cookie crumbles, like in the NFC how East. The cookie when, crumbles, yeah. When like the Washington football team went like seven, eight, and one and made it, and like yeah. the Dolphins didn't make it, and they were the like Dolphins won ten games and didn't make it. <laughs> right, same same but thing in baseball. You want to know what I love about baseball? Colin Coward said this, and this is describes it exactly. A four hundred fly ball, four hundred foot fly ball can end can lose you the game. If you're if you're a hitter. A 400-foot fly ball can lose you the game, and a three-foot dribbler can win you the game. That's why I love it. It's You could fly out the center to lose the game. You get a little chopper, an error, and you win the game. That's beauty. Also, you can't run out the clock. It's not like football where you say, no, we have a lead. We're going to run the clock out. You, there's no clock in baseball. you got to get those outs. It ain't over till it's over. That's what I always say. My dad and I always say, it, it, it ain't over till it's over. Got to get the nine. I got to get the 27 outs to finish the game. You can't finish the game without it. You can't just say, you know what? We're going to sit on this one, run the clock out. Nope. I <laughs> get every out. That's why baseball is my favorite sport. It's just the little fun. It's just, it's America's pastime. You know, it's great. I just love the dynamic of it that you can win on a little chopper or you could, you could lose by flying out, hitting the ball 400 feet and flying out the center. That's the beauty of it. It's so, it's so true. Like there's, especially when guys get hot and go cold, a lot of times they're hitting the ball exactly the same. It's just 
did the ball go slightly to the right or slightly to the left? And that's mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of times, like I would say every game, you know, the guy hits a little dribbler through the infield. It could be a double play ball mm-hmm. or it's the or start of a big, right. It's- or like the door the other night, he hit four balls, like 90 plus miles an hour line drives right at someone. You could hit, you could hit a little blooper off the end of the bat and it falls in because they were playing deep. Or you could hit a rocket and it's caught by the shortstop because he happened to be playing there. That's what's beautiful about baseball. The You can do it the wrong way and still be successful. You, you can succeed unsuccessfully. The worst is when they have they, they put in the shift and you hit and like a little dribbler. Yeah. <laughs> that, that – I – like – I always hate that when it, like, obviously there's like a, a lot the of analytics like analytics and the shift works most of the time, but right. a lot of the time when the shift is on the guy doesn't even, he gets it off the fist and it, it just, it rolls down the third baseline and no one's over there. So it ends up being like a double. And then, yeah, that's so annoying. It really is. But it, it defines like what baseball, you yeah, know, it's analytics now with the way it is now, everything is analytics and you got to rely on it. Listen, no one can tell you for sure what's going to happen, but if you know a guy's prone to ground, he'd be a pull hitter, you got to put the shift on. That's how it is. If he goes the other way, that's that's part of the game, adjusting. You know the shift is on. You try to drive the ball to center, drive it the other way. That's part of the game. That's another beautiful thing. It's strategic. You know the shift is on. You know they're playing there. Got You got to develop that tool to hit the ball the other way. That's That's – what the shift makes you do. That's why I like it so much. No, it, it really is. And it's been proven that when they put the shift on guys, their batting average typically like goes down. Like a prime mm-hmm. example of that, like was Ryan Howard when they were like first really implementing the shift, like without the shift, he was like, I, I forget. It was like a high 200 hitter. And then, yeah. And then he all of a sudden couldn't hit because right. he, he was a pole hitter and he hit ground balls and there you go. He would drown it right into the shift every time. They, yeah. They, they do it to Bryce Harper every single time. And but, yeah, the but time the he hits thing it is, that way. <laughs> Bryce Harper has, he can, he can go to all fields. He can hit the ball the other way. If he has to, he can hit it out of the park. He can walk. That's why Bryce Harper, as much as slender him, he's a good, he's a great player. He's on, he's underrated in my, he gets a lot of hate rightfully. So he's, he's annoying, but he's a good player at the end of the day. He can go the other way. He can do a lot of things. That's why that's what makes him above everyone else. When you, when you, when you got the odds against you, the shift is on you. You got to find a way to get around it. And he does, he goes the other way. He'll head out of the park. He'll walk. He'll, he'll do his job. That's he just does what he has to do to get on base, which is smart. Yeah, I, I think that teams should really, like when they're putting that shift on, especially when they leave the third baseline open, do they? I, I don't understand why they can't just bunt it down the third baseline every time, you know? I've seen guys do that, but a lot of guys don't bunt because they don't know how, because they because bunting's kind of like a thing of the past. No one really does right. it anymore. You don't really practice that because everyone wants to hit the home run. So you don't really practice the bunt, but you got a guy that can bunt, they're shifting on you bunt the ball and then if you can they know you're a good bunter they won't shift on you and then now you have the whole field to hit it to that's why if you're a real good hitter and you know you know how to make contact it makes it so difficult to plan against you that's why guys like like um uh what should I call it like Tatis he can do a lot he can, he's a great hitter in general Freddie Freeman's just a great hitter 
So it's hard to, you can't really shift on him. You can still go every other way. He's just a good hitter. So that uses to your advantage. When you become respected, they don't shift on you as much because they, you're like, you know what? He hits it everywhere. Just play straight up. See where he hits it. Right. That That's like the ultimate compliment as a hitter. Like if, if they just play you straight up, like Freddie Freeman, he, like he can hit the ball to all fields, do basically anything. Mm-hmm. Hit like, it out of the park, you know, the gaps. He's honestly, he's like one of the best hitters in like all of baseball. He he's one of he's been one of the best pure hitters for a while now. But yeah, there's Soto too, a guy that can go to all fields. So you know, it's hard to to game plan against him. You know, no, that's it really is. is, and that's why I love it. That's why it's my favorite sport. I love the intricacies and the strategy of it. Yeah, there, there is. There's so, there's so many things behind the scenes that go on and figuring out exactly where to play, exact like all, all these things nobody really thinks about. They, they focus on you know the pitching change that's being made when you know they're working on their launch angle, they're working on where they need to stand in the outfield, they're working on their like exactly their grip on the ball. There's just all so analytics, many my friend. That's what it is. Really is, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's been proved. A lot. Whenever the analytics go wrong, everyone's always pointing fingers, but no, yeah. nobody realizes all the times that it's gone right. Yeah, it it go it definitely will go wrong sometimes, but it goes more right than it goes wrong. That's what I would say. The Mets, Steve Cohen revamped the entire analytics department, and now they're like the fifth best defensive team in the league. And where the Mets usually are horrible on defense, it's been a problem for years, and. Listen, the analytics, you might hate it, but it's working. You know, it, it works more than it, it works more often than it doesn't work. So gotta love it, gotta trust it. Yeah, you really do. Especially with like Luis Rojas, you know, a young upcoming mm-hmm. manager. That that's re- really where you get the analytics. It's like all driven there. Especially with a guy like, you know, Gabe Kapler. He's been using the analytics for the San Francisco Giants this whole season, and they've been one yeah, of the best. They've been teams. really good. That's as much as you might slander it, it. I think it works. I really do. Even if it doesn't work sometimes, that's that's part of the risk. But it works. If it works more often than not, you got to stick with it. That's my thing. That's my that's my whole opinion on it. Yeah, I agree. Except if you're playing Blake Snell in the World Series, then, then. well, yeah, everything goes out the window when you're Kevin Cash. I mean, if you're any guy on any association with the Rays, you're nuts, and nothing, nothing matters. Nothing applies to you. <laughs> yeah, that that anal- that analytics decision, I I do question. Yeah, that was a little um, unwise of him, but it's in the past now, and. He's still a good manager, and and at the end of the day, the Rays win. They they use analytics in other ways by this opener, this trend that they started, and it's working for them. They every week there's a new pitcher on their team that's that's like 100 miles an hour. That's a lockdown guy. I don't know where they come from. They're just they're insanely good at developing pitchers. I guess their whole bullpen is like insane. Yeah, they can, you know, they trade away all their, their pitchers are all getting hurt. They trade away like half their bullpen and they just bring up guys from AAA and they're all just as good. It's crazy. It really is. Yeah, Baseball's crazy, but I think that's where we're going to end the show for, for tonight. Great conversation today. 
We'll see if in a week or two, next time we do a show, we'll see if the Mets are doing any better. We'll see if they made a deal. The trade deadline is, is it, it's, it's in a month. So it's coming up soon. The trade talks, trade talks should start to heat up, but uh, next time we'll, we'll see where the Mets and Yankees are at and we'll see if the Phillies did anything to improve themselves. But until then, we're signing off, as always, Jay and Justin, Penn Station Sports Talk. Thank you guys so much for listening. See you next time.